Thank you for joining us for our Renewal City Church podcast. If you're looking for ways to get involved, join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Roxy Theater in Longview, or find us online at rcclongview.org. We hope you're blessed and that this message finds you well. Now, the rabbis were the trusted religious experts. They were the teachers in society. They were the ones who uh, were looked to to rightly apply the Hebrew scriptures and the Hebrew, Hebrew traditions to the, the modern Jewish life. In, in the first century, of course, rabbis still are the teachers and the, the ones that the Jews would look to to tell us how to understand these scriptures and how to apply them to our lives. Now, these rabbis were the religious leaders in a society that was totally centered on religious life. Uh, I was looking into, because uh, don't think of these people as like your modern day American clergy. Uh, about 10 years ago, more than half of the U.S. population had a, a negative mindset when they think of the profession of a clergy member. They do not believe that they're very honest or good people. Um, that has, uh, it, it was less than half of the American population. It's now down into the 30% when they've done more recent ones. So, um, the rabbis in Jewish society were highly respected. They were looked at as, as people to be admired, people, professions to aspire to do and be, and that might be a little hard for us to relate to. I think that perhaps a better way for us to think of it is what kind of profession do people have now where if you are chosen or drafted into that profession, it immediately means uh, fame and fortune and uh, and and wonderful, successful life, and that would be like our professional sports world, right? I mean, few people in our society are more admired than professional athletes. And if you want to disagree, then just look at how many, many parents in our society are parenting their kids. It appears they have one goal, and that's for their child to be a professional athlete. Many, many parents' hopes and dreams are going to be dashed, tragically. Um, but it's a very important thing, and so I think it, it might be helpful for us to think of these rabbis were sort of like the all-stars of their society. Um, the mantle of leadership in Jewish life, the, the insight into who God is and how we should be living, was then passed on from generation to generation by rabbis, passing it on to their disciples. These disciples, or rabbis in training, uh, it's not like you signed up, and, you know, took out $80,000 in a government loan to go to four to five years of rabbi school. Uh, they didn't have an education set up like, education system set up like that. What disciples did was they were invited by a rabbi to come and follow them, to walk with them, to, to go where they go, to eat where they eat, to sleep where they sleep. Uh, rabbis would, would pick the best and the brightest of the students from their primary years of education in Jewish life. Usually these students would be around the age of 15, and so they'd finished their primary education. Many of them had the Old Testament uh, scriptures memorized. They were smart students. They knew how to ask good questions. And a rabbi would see this bright student and would say, that's a student I want to come and follow me. And everybody who wasn't chosen by a rabbi, every Jewish uh, boy who wasn't chosen by a rabbi would 
you know, learn whatever kind of work their father did usually and would, would go into business and, and, um, and they'd hang out at the, at the, uh, you know, hang out at the synagogue on Saturdays, but, um, they lived a more normal life. Um, advice that was given to disciples by some of the early Jewish sages was, was, was may your, may your head be covered with the dust of your rabbi's feet. And it was this whole idea, how many of you have ever driven down a dirt road right behind somebody? And so if you're driving down a dirt road behind somebody in a car, usually what you'll do is you'll start to drop back a little bit, especially if you just washed your car, because you don't want to end up covered in the dust of that car ahead of you. But the, the, the sages were telling the disciples to be covered by the rabbi's dust. It meant follow him so closely. Be right in there and follow him so closely. You observe his life. You see the way he interacts with others. You see the way he applies the scriptures to his life. Follow him that closely so that you're covered in his dust, and that's how you learn and grow, and one day you'll become a rabbi yourself. Um, I was thinking about this this week because I don't know that I've really heard someone talk about it before, but we know that Jesus was known as a rabbi. Which really means that at one point in his life, he was a disciple of some rabbi. He was learning under somebody. We see a little bit of evidence for this in Scripture. There's a story of Jesus in Luke chapter 2 when he was 12 years old. His family went to Jerusalem as they would every year. They went to Jerusalem and, um, and the family traveled in a big group. They're there for the annual pilgrimage to Jerusalem. It's, it's chaotic. It's crazy. The family, the extended family is leaving Jerusalem, and they forget Jesus. How many of you have forgotten your kids somewhere before? No, you don't have to raise your hands. Um, they forget Jesus. They get a couple of days down the road, and suddenly it's like, Jesus isn't traveling with us. Where is he? And so they have to go back to Jerusalem to find him. They're searching the city for a couple of days, and, uh, and in Luke Uh, chapter 2, it says, after three days, they found Jesus in the temple courts. He was sitting among the teachers, and he was listening to them, and he was asking them questions, and everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and at his answers. We don't know what kind of rabbis might have had an influence on Jesus, teaching him the scriptures, taking him under their wing, but there's really little doubt that a bright 12-year-old who's astonishing the teachers in Jerusalem had nobody coming to him and saying, hey, come and follow me. So a disciple would follow a rabbi for a number of years. It, It could be five years. It could be seven years. It could be 10 years. What we do know is that around the time Jesus was 30, he was ready to be a rabbi and he was ready to call his own disciples. And now it's Jesus's turn to call the people that will follow him and carry on his legacy of learning to the next generation. Jesus doesn't pick the best and the brightest students, though. He doesn't, use, he doesn't go for the same people that the other rabbis go for. As the stories of Jesus calling his disciples unfold in Scripture, we see that he isn't looking for the brightest 15-year-olds hanging around. He ends up forming this motley crew of men, all different ages, some of them very young, some of them much older. And he ends up finding people from all kinds of backgrounds, and and especially for those disciples that he chooses that are a little bit older, that means they're the people who didn't get chosen. That means they're the leftovers. 
they didn't exactly fit, fit that valedictorian of the Jewish school of learning type people. And I really think that one of the reasons that Jesus didn't pick the same disciples as other rabbis is because he was trying to do something very different than the other rabbis. The other rabbis are trying to pass on the traditions and the insight that they have into God from generation to generation. It's all about being faithful to this tradition and this understanding that they have. Jesus' mission was very different than that. Jesus' mission was about turning the world upside down with new revelation of who God is. Jesus was finding people who would proclaim a new message about himself, that God is no longer counting humanity's sins against them, that in Christ, God is reconciling all things in heaven and on earth together. Jesus wasn't looking for people to preserve the status quo. He was looking for people to, to, again, to turn the world upside down. And so he didn't necessarily need the best and the brightest and the most dedicated students to what was. What he needed was people who were willing to follow him, to listen, to learn. Especially, I think he was looking for people who were willing to make the sacrifices needed to invite others to then come and follow Christ as well. And you know what? I'm looking around the room right now. I'm looking around the room, and I think we have one of Jesus' earliest disciples here with us. Oh my gosh, look at this. Who could imagine? Whoa! Well, well come on up here. Oh my goodness. Can we, can we get a couple chairs? Can we get a couple chairs here for this guy who came all this way to be with us today? Here, we'll get you a microphone. This is totally unexpected. What a surprise. I had no idea. No idea at all. Can I get a chair, too? I'm just going to sit down and interview this guy, I think. I mean, he's here, right? This is pretty cool. This makes your voice really loud. Never seen one of these before. Yeah. Yeah. So um, so tell us a little bit about yourself there. Uh, what do we call you? Peter, I'm Peter. Clearly, oh, Peter. Peter. Yeah. Wow. Was, uh, yeah, I got in yesterday. Hung out with the Murrays a little bit. Yeah. Mike gave me this... this uh, Ball cap, ball cap, that's what he called it, yeah, yeah. He said I'd blend in, so nobody would notice I was a little odd. Well, that's great. And you were one of Jesus' followers. Definitely one of his followers, yeah. Well, that's awesome. Some we... might say I was his favorite, but <laughs> some people might say I wasn't. I'm not sure. Well, we're all Jesus' followers, too, and, and we were really hoping to learn some lessons in this series from Jesus' first followers. Would you mind telling us? telling us about what it was like to be called by Jesus to be one of his disciples? I mean, Jesus picked you. You must have been, you must have been one of the students who was the best and the brightest, right? Yeah, you know, that's what I thought. Um, but, you know, my brother and Andrew and I, we spent a lot of time studying the scriptures. And, uh, and we always hoped to be called by rabbi so we could, like, go and, you know, learn. But we never were. So I eventually just became a fisherman. So... Hung out doing some fishing. But, I mean, we really, yeah, we studied a lot. <laughs> All right, well, well, how did you meet Jesus? Well, yeah, so that, that's, a, that's a long story. But um, I, we got time, right? No time? <laughs> I can tell a story. Uh, so, Andrew, you know, I was fishing because I got to make money, take care of everybody. And my brother Andrew, he's... He's like out hanging out with this guy called John the Baptist. I don't know if you guys ever heard of him. He was a real weirdo. Wore a camel's hair, ate insects, did a lot of preaching. His, 
he's a strange guy. And then uh, one day, Andrew comes to me, he's like, I found the Messiah. And I'm like, you know, first I'm like, you know, I don't, you guys probably never met Andrew, but he's a little weird. So I was like, I don't, I don't believe this too much. And then uh, one day, I decide I'd just go meet him. So I meet Jesus, and, uh, and he's just different. You know, he's like a real good teacher, and he taught like nobody had before. And uh, he just spoke into your soul, and you could just see that look in his eyes. It was, it was really moving. And, uh, but, so I kind of met him, but I still really wasn't a follower. And then, uh, then one day we were out fishing, and uh, we'd fished all night. All night, hadn't, caught, hadn't seen a single fish. And Jesus shows up in the morning as we're cleaning the nets. And it's like, he's like, can, we, can I use your boat? And I'm like, sure, you can use our boat. And he starts teaching from the water. And uh, after he's done teaching, we're all wrapping up, getting ready to go home. And, and then he's like, why don't you put your boat out in the water again and try fishing some more? And I'm like, all right, this guy's not a fisherman. He's a teacher. He doesn't know what he's talking about because there's no fish. And uh, I'm about ready to tell him, like, no, I just want to go home. And, uh, but then I'm like, all right, I'll kick the boat out there, and we, we throw the nets down. And that's when the most amazing thing that ever happened was. It was, it was a miracle, absolute miracle. The nets filled full of fish, and we're so many fish. We filled every boat we had, and then we, we jumped in the water because we didn't want them to sink, pushing them back into the shore. And then I get there, I'm thinking, that's amazing. I have so much fish. My life's going to change. It's going to be wonderful. And then I saw Jesus standing there, and I realized... Oh, it's a miracle. And then I was just, I fell on my, my knees down by him, and I'm like, man, I'm, I'm not even a holy man, and this is, I shouldn't even be in your presence. And that's when he looked at me, and he's like, Peter, I want you to follow me. And it was amazing. I, what, what else do you do? I followed the man, right? Yeah. Well, well, thanks for sharing your story with us today, Peter. I'm, I'm so glad you stopped by. It was, it was a pleasure. I'm, uh, I'll see you maybe in a couple of weeks. You know, Mike handed me one of these flyers for camp, and uh, he was wondering if I could talk about walking on the water. A yeah, of yeah, it'd be great to have you there. Yeah, talk to Mike about it. Yeah. All right. We'll see you later. And... Uh, Thank you, James. It's glad to be here. I just want to say that, you know, you guys are lucky you have a really good rabbi here. Oh, you gosh. Should, All right. You just follow this guy, listen to him. He's a great guy. That was the only part of the script he got right, but. Um. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Peter. All right. Can someone escort him out? We just want to make sure he leaves. Can you guys believe it? That was the Apostle Peter. All the way from heaven, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you. Ladies and, ladies and gentlemen, Danny Perez, thank you. He's so helpful. Um, boy, that was great. Uh, so, so Jesus gave his disciples an invitation to come and follow him. And... And, and for us who are living today, what we are receiving from those disciples is that same invitation. 
The Apostle Paul, when he's writing to the church in, in Corinth, he says to them, I want you to, to imitate or to follow Christ just as I am imitating or following him. It's this idea that when I'm walking in the master's footsteps close enough to get dust on me, I'm strongly encouraged to invite other people to come along and walk as well. Let's just, let's all get covered in his dust together. Jesus encourages this idea with his last command that he gives to his disciples in Matthew chapter 28. Uh, In Matthew 28, Jesus says to his disciples that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And so what I want you to do, therefore, is to go and make disciples of all nations. This is a little different, right? Discipleship was something that Jewish men called other Jewish men into. And Jesus says to his disciples, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations, all people, everywhere. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. When I read, when I read that phrase, everything that I've commanded you, I can't help but think of Jesus where he said to his disciples, a new command I am giving to you, that you would love one another as I have loved you. It wasn't the only command he gave, but it's arguably the most important one. Anyhow, he says, teaching them everything I've commanded with to you, and surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I love that last phrase because here he's telling his disciples, he's sending them out, go out into all the nations, make disciples, invite people to follow you as you follow me. But then he says to them, I'm going to be with you. It's not like he's sending them out on their own and their days of following him are over. Their days of being covered with his dust are over. He's saying to them, follow, continue to follow me. Continue to walk with me. I will be right there kicking up dust. I'll be right there. And, and you go and invite others to follow you as, as, I'm, uh, as you are following me. Uh, what I want to give us is a little bit of time to, to talk about this walk that we are on together. Because the picture that I get in my mind is Jesus walking and, and people trying to follow him. And if you want to follow him close enough to get in his dust, you can't help but end up close to each other as well. Other people who are following him closely, you're naturally just, it's like we're all crowded in there behind him. And um, I mean, I don't know for sure that this is how it worked in the first century for Jewish rabbis, but I do kind of imagine these men being followed around with all of these guys running along behind them like, all crowding together in the dust. And, and we can see disciples got to know each other really well as well. And so um, the fact that we're all endeavoring to be covered in the dust of his footsteps but footsteps together means that we need to do this together. And one way that we practice living out this discipleship together is through having some discussion questions on Sunday mornings. And so we're going to take some time to discuss uh, you kids who have, uh, I'm going to give you a B minus for your listening skills today. A B minus. I think we can tune this up to an A by the end of the summer. I'm confident that we can. Um, You guys are going to spend a little bit of time discussing with our table hosts today. And I think you're checking their worksheets and and encouraging them generally. You don't have to do the discussion questions that we do up here. So um, the rest of you, we're going to throw some discussion questions uh, on the QR code. And you can break yourselves into groups of 
four, five, six, seven, eight, uh, up to 12. 12 is a holy number of disciples. Um, if you find yourself sitting at a distance from others, uh, you know, t- turn your chair around, maybe move a little bit. If you see people that are kind of alone, uh, well, we're all trying to follow Jesus together, so nobody gets to walk alone. So invite them to, to come and sit with you and discuss. And we'll do some discussion questions. Before we do, though, I just I want to pray. Lord, we thank you that each of us uh, sits here today. In fact, um, take a moment and just steal your, your mind and your heart before the Lord. Lord, we thank you that each of us is here today because we've received an invitation from you to come and follow. You have chosen us. You've selected us. You've said, that's someone that I want walking with me. And Lord, whether we've heard that response in our lives before or whether this is a new idea for us today that you would invite us into this kind of relationship, uh, we just want to be people who hear your voice and obey. And so may your Holy Spirit give us grace to walk where you're calling us to walk this week. 